Hello, everybody. This week's parsha is parsha is Matis Masse. And I remember when I was a bucher, I was in a shul once in Passaic, Rabbi Singer's shul, and he said a word Vatera from Ramesha Feinstein, which at the time I didn't fully understand, but at this point in life, I think I get it a little more. He said the parsha this week begins with the halachos of the mitzvah of hafara of a nether. What it means is that a person has the ability to make a nether, to make a vow. And it has real ramifications, halakhically, spiritually. And the Torah gives a husband the right, the ability, to annul his wife's vows. It's called hafara. If his wife makes a vow, he feels it's not a good idea, he can undo it. Cesar Meister Feinstein, the Torah is teaching us something else. The Torah is teaching us that sometimes a wife can create a situation. She create a certain atmosphere, she can say something which can make a certain intensity in the home. And it's the husband's job, it's his prerogative, to make sure to diffuse that situation, to undo it, to set things right. That's the job a terror gives him. That's one vector. Further in the Parsha, the Jews go to war with Midian, they capture a bunch of dishes, and they're given the halachos of Heksher Kalon, kashering, getting rid of the flavors, the trade flavors in the kalim, the halachos of hagala, boiling them out, etc. But what's interesting is the Torah, when it says those halachos, Torah starts off, it says, Zeis chukas ha These are the laws of a Torah, a very general statement. It doesn't say these are the laws of kashering. It seems like there's something here which is applicable to the kol ha-terah kula, the whole Torah. What is that? So Ramayisha Feinstein explains in Drash Meishi, he says like this, he says, one of the fundamental principles of heksher kalim, of kashering, is the concept known as kibayla'i kach poltei. Kibayla'i, as it went in, kach, so to poltei, it gives it out. Which means that, for example, a person boils something, a tray thing in a pot. So to get it out is easier. You just have to reboil that pot in water, and the boiling process will take out the tray flavors that went in through boiling. Whereas if someone took, let's say, a grill, and he grilled treif on the metal grates, it wouldn't be enough to just boil those grates. The flavor wouldn't come out. Since the flavor went in when the metal was hot, directly on the metal you put treif, you need a stronger heat to get it out. You have to put either the grates in a self-clean oven, what's known as a libun chamer. It needs to be given the same level of heat that the flavor went in. How is this related to the kol terakula? Says Ramayisha, a lot of times in life people... They learn Torah, they daven, but they don't feel like it changes them. They come to shul, they walk out, feel like the same person. They come to night seder, they learn a little bit, but it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference in their daily life. They don't feel different. So much the reason is because it's kibayle kachpote. It went in and it goes out the same way. What it means is, let's say a guy takes something trafe and it's cold and he slaps it on a plate. The plate's still kosher, you wash it off, you're good to go. Why? Because it was cold. It didn't go into the pot. It didn't go into the plate. When you learn cold, when you dive in cold, it doesn't get into you. It doesn't come into you. If you learn besimcha, if you learn with islavas, if you learn when you're excited about it with energy, then it can go into you and make a difference. That's what the Torah is telling us. chukas This is the law with everything in regards to Torah, to davening, to mitzvahs. If you do it with your whole body and your whole heart and your whole soul and you get into it, you're focused, you're excited, then it changes you. It goes into you. It infuses you. If you do it cold, it stays on the surface. It doesn't go in. Later in the parsha, we find 
that the Bnei God and Bnei Reuven come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they ask to be, that their portion should be on the other side of the Jordan. And Moshe Rabbeinu criticizes them, he gets upset at them. And what's interesting though, you find within Chazal different things that apparently they did wrong. We'll go through them one at a time and try to explain what's the connection. They come to Moshe and they say, we want to get our portion here. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, your brothers are going to go fight and you're going to stay here. No way. Now, that makes a lot of sense to the point where it's hard to understand what they were thinking. The whole Kali Yisrael went to war and captured this side of the Jordan. Now they're about to go into Eretz Yisrael and they're like, no, look, we're good. We'll stay here. You guys go on ahead and fight for your other parts. It's ridiculous. Why should they risk their lives for you and you don't risk their life for them? But besides that, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he, when he, when he refuses them, he goes on to a whole thing about turning everyone's morale around, being like the Miraglim. What's going on? One problem. Later, after they come back to Moshe Rabbeinu, they say, look, we're going to go with Klai Yisrael. We're going to fight with them. We're going to stay till they, till they divide up the land. We'll stick it out with Klai Yisrael, but we want to have our portion here. And if we stick it out, we get this portion over here. Okay, seeming like they fixed the problem. But yet, we find in Chazal, there was another issue. When they talked to Moshe Rabbeinu, they said, what? We were going to build pens for our flock and houses for our children. Moshe Rabbeinu criticizes them. He changes the order and says, no, you got to take care of your kids first and then take care of your money. Second criticism. Third criticism, the Medrash says, later when Kaisal goes into Gullah, Sancheriv comes and captures the ten tribes, says the Medrash, the first ones to go into Gullah, or B'nai Gadim, B'nai Ruben, Chatzashev, and those who are living on the other side of the Jordan. Says the Medrash, why? Because they split themselves up from Kai Yisrael, so that's why they go into Gullah's first. Third criticism. What's the connection between all these criticisms? What's going on over here? So Ruach Aliyahu, Rebellious Sveh explains, there's one problem here. When it came to conquering the land, what were they thinking? They're thinking very simple. They said, look, we all know that the first war was won with a miracle. No one, no one, we don't see anyone dying in that war. Hashem fought the war for Klai Yisrael. So you don't need us to come along. There's no risk involved. You're going to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem will make a nice for you. Look, we'll just stay here. Who needs us to come along? But Moshe Rabbeinu criticized them. He says, what? You're right. But there's an issue that Klai Yisrael's morale has to be strong. There has to be betachin. If they see two parts of Klai Yisrael break off, it weakens everyone's commitment. You're not thinking as a tzibur. You're not thinking about the greater ramifications of your actions about other people. They're debating building houses for their kids, taking care of their livestock. They're more focused on their money than they are on their children. They're more focused about themselves than they are about the people they're responsible for. The third thing, they split themselves up from Clyde, so we're going to live on one side of Jordan, you'll live on the other side. Look, we're still friends, we're, you know, we'll schmooze, but I'm not in it with you. I'm in a different country. There's one problem here going on and on and on, says Rebellious Faye, which is that Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain didn't get their heads around the point that life is not just about them. Life is about living with other people, taking care of other people, giving to others. And that's what they're being criticized in Chazal. Their whole entire, so to speak, vision on life is one which didn't have the right outlook for other people. And we find the Gemara Makis is something interesting. It says that 
there were three cities of miklat of refuge for someone who kills Beshegig on the other side of the Jordan, and three were the mainland of Kaisal. The Gemara asks, you know, there's nine and a half Shvatim living in the main part of Kaisal, and two and a half over there. It's not proportional. Why do you both need three? Says the Gemara, there was more Reitzchen, there's more killers on the other side of the Jordan. And the question is, killers that we're talking about are the ones who go to Ir Miklat. So a regular murderer gets killed. Who goes to Ir Miklat? A guy who kills Beshegig by mistake. Accidental. So how can you tell me that there's more over there? Are there just cluts here? So Maral explains, very simple. When someone goes to Gullus for killing Beshegig, we're not talking about a, a real accident. A guy driving, someone jumps in front of his car, comes to and he gets killed. Those guys don't go to Gullus. A guy who goes to Gullus is someone who's a little bit negligent. He's climbing a ladder, he's, he, he doesn't look who's below him. He's carrying down a barrel, he doesn't look who's below him. Where does that lack of precaution come from? It comes from the fact that life's about me. I don't look about other people, I don't think about other people. I'm doing what I do, everyone else stay out of my way. It's one problem that B'nai Gadim and Yerubin had, which they had to fix, which was thinking about other people, living with other people, dealing with other people, and not just thinking about yourself the whole time in life. Recognizing that perfection, happiness, fulfillment all comes from giving and taking care of other people. So I want to end off at one point. The parish says at the end, the beginning of the parish is Masay. The Torah lists all the encampments of the Jewish people. And it goes through... And it references different parts of things that happened over the 40 years. And it makes no specific mention of Matan Torah, which is shocking. Matan Torah is the highlight of Klai Yisrael. If you want to say what happened in the past 40 years, you skip Matan Torah. What's going on? Cesar Moshe Feinstein, Torah's teaching us a very important lesson. Matan Torah is not a past event. It's not something in our history of Klai Yisrael. We say every morning... Because Baruch was a Neusin HaTorah, Neusin as in present tense. He's constantly giving us a Torah. When a person sits down and learns, says the Mishnah, HaKadosh Baruch sits next to him and teaches him. Matan Torah is, is, is something that happened in Klaizel's history, not once, constantly. We got a connection with Hashem, or he's constantly giving us Torah. We don't list it as one of the Masois. It's every person, every day of his life, he's getting a Torah from HaKadosh Baruch And if we live with that, if we appreciate that, if we sit down with a Gemara, we recognize Hashem sitting right next to us and teaching us that Gemara. We'll have a whole different attitude towards Torah and a whole different attitude towards life. I wish everyone a wonderful Shabbos. We should keep steiging.